According to the Centers for Disease Control, over 300,000 people are hospitalized each year for hip fractures. Most of those hip fractures are caused by falls. In this edition of Health Styles, orthopedic surgeon Timothy Gray from Sarah Bush Lincoln Benuti Clinic will address the three main types of hip fractures and how they're treated. We'll also learn more about who is most at risk and how you can reduce your risk for falls in the first place. As you age, what's really important to you? Travel, independence, hobbies, creating memories with your grandkids? When your mobility is preventing you from doing the things you love, it's time to do something about it. Visit one of our top nationally ranked orthopedists and learn how our world-class technology can restore your mobility. Don't give up on the things you love. Contact Sarah Bush Lincoln Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and the Benuti Clinic today. Learn more at sarahbush.org. Welcome back to part two of our podcast series with Dr. Timothy Gray, orthopedic surgeon. And in this episode, we're discussing hip fractures. And Dr. Gray uh, just came over from the surgery center. He was doing, what were you doing? I was doing a knee arthroscopy, had oh. a cartilage tear. That we okay, and then up. you're going back to do what? I'm going I'm going back. I've got a, a fracture dislocation of a shoulder that I need to okay. work on after this, after this. But we're talking actually about hip fractures. And what's kind of the most common way they occur? You hear, did someone fall and break their hip or did their hip break and they fell? You know, a lot of my patients will ask that or they'll say, I don't, should I broke my hip and fell or I fell and broke my hip? Really, there's no way to tell. I mean, the, the end result is the same. It's a broken hip. Um, the only way to really tell would be to uh, uh, have some type of uh, pause halfway down and get an uh -huh. x-ray before they hit the ground. <laughs> and that's probably not in the near future. So, yeah. uh, so we never know really whether they broke their hip and fell or fell and broke their hip. So who does this happen to most often? Men, uh, mo women, age range? Most commonly would be uh, the, the prototypical uh, hip fracture patient would be a elderly female. Mm -hmm. um, just, I'm not sure because uh, females live longer. I don't know if that's the reason. Uh, but the other reason possibly be osteopenia, osteoporosis. It's that, it's that thin uh, female, uh, a little bit of extra fat, keeps a little extra estrogen, keeps mm -hmm. a little bit more bone in the, uh, in the right place. So maybe a fracture a little less common. Uh, those are the prototypical uh, fracture. So when it breaks, where is it actually breaking? Well, you're going to have to visualize because this is a podcast. That, well, that I, I have a thing I like to talk to my patients about. Okay. Uh, there's three levels of fracture okay. when you talk about hip fractures. And uh, in order to get a visual picture of what the hip is, I always tell my patients, the hip is basically a hitch on the back of a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. You have a cup from the trailer that is the acetabulum that is on the pelvis. When you break your hip, you don't typically break the acetabulum. So we don't have, that would be something we'd address in a total hip replacement, but we don't really have to address the acetabular side because that's the cup and the cup is doing fine. So there's three levels that you could break the, the hip in. One is when that ball of the when that ball narrows down, uh, we've all seen the it has the ball and then it comes into a narrow spot and then it meets the the junction to the truck. That narrow spot is called the femoral neck. Okay. If it breaks in the femoral neck, that is an area that has very limited blood supply. So if you were it, it's unlikely to heal if we just try and fix it. Mm -hmm. However, there are two special circumstances. If you are a very young individual and you fracture that femoral neck from some other kind of traumatic episode, uh, even if it's displaced, we often will try and reduce it. 
and pin it back in position. And you would pin it in position with three screws. You make a stab and sit. You you reduce the hip. You'd you'd reduce the fracture. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And you would you would make an incision over the outside of the hip, and you would put three screws up into the that head. Basically, again, lining up that that ball. Uh, with the neck that's broken and put three screws up there in order to try and lock that in place and let it heal. In an elderly individual, uh, if, the, um, if the ball doesn't break and slide off, uh, if you think about it, again, I'm an analogy guy, okay. if you think about it, you could also see that, that femoral neck kind of as a scoop of ice cream on top of a cone. Now, if the scoop falls off, <laughs> it tears all the blood supply and it's hard to heal. So in a young individual, you try and push the scoop back up, you push the cone in place and you put some screws to hold that, that scoop back in place. In an elderly individual, sometimes rather than having the scoop fall off, sometimes you just take the cone and you jam it deeper into the, into the scoop of ice cream. Well, that's called an impacted femoral neck fracture. That can be stable. Um, so sometimes, on rare occasions, you can treat that completely conservative and just try limited weight bearing and see if they can, uh, can heal it on their own. Or sometimes if you're worried about it slipping off, you could put those same three screws up there to kind of lock that ball, that, that scoop of ice cream on top so it doesn't slide off the cone mm -hmm. to give it a better chance to heal. Um, that's a femoral neck fracture. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, for a femoral neck fracture, with this, it's in that prototypical elderly individual with a displaced fracture. You've torn all the blood vessels that come up the neck itself, and there's no, there's not a lot of blood vessels to the outside. Normally, what we would do is we would go in there, we would remove that broken ball, and we would basically put in a new, a new ball. Uh, that's going to go into their own cup. And how we do that is, the, what we what take advantage, and I, I, I got to date myself because I've been talking to, uh, <laughs> to young nurses that come in, and what I like to say is, well, we've all seen, we've all had a ham steak that has a ham bone in it, right? Mm -hmm. And they all look at me like, like I am what? talking, like, I am, <laughs> like there are lobsters crawling out of my ears. <laughs> well, that slice of ham, if you've seen this, mm -hmm. you've seen a slice of ham that has a, a round, bone that's hard and then has soft goo down the middle. Mm -hmm. That is a slice of, of, of the pig's thigh. Yeah. And so that bone that is the femur bone. And we take advantage of the fact that that has that soft goo down the middle. Because what we would do is we take the ball out of the, of the socket that's broken, it's not going to heal. Mm -hmm. And then we, we basically put a spike down into, the, into that soft goo of the, of the thigh bone lock that in place, and then put a new ball on top of that in order to do what's called a hemiarthroplasty. That is a half a hip replacement. Okay, so that's the same kind of thing you'd have if you had a hip replacement. It's the same kind of part? It is. It's, okay. uh, the, the stem is the exact same kind of part. Okay. The ball is a little different because mm -hmm. you're not replacing the acetabulum, not okay. the cup side. Right. So this is a little bit larger ball that fits back into your own natural cup. Okay. So that's femoral neck fractures. That's okay. one form of that's fracture. One. Okay, we okay. Have two more. The next level is called the intertrochanteric hip fracture. Fracture. I was so, going to write that down, but I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> so what that is, is same, same truck. We've still got that, that ball that is uh, that now you come down with the ball flanges back out, and now it is meeting the strut where it, where it starts to go towards the truck. If you broke it right across where that meets the, the, um, the, the, the angle, the mm -hmm. angle to go back towards the truck, that would be the level of the intertrochanteric fracture. Now, that's outside the capsule. 
that has an excellent chance to heal, but it almost always displaces. Mm -hmm. So in order to fix that, what we do is uh, we, we do a, an open reduction internal fixation. What we do is we basically take advantage, again, of that soft goo down the middle of the femur. We would take a rod, a, um, a, a, a nail, basically it's a, it's a about a, it's 180, the standard is 180 centimeters. So that is, that is nine inches. I think that's okay. right at nine inches, a little short, nine inches. Okay. And what we would do is we would, we would start at the top where the, that hip pointer, the very top of your hip, mm -hmm. we'd make a little hole there. We would, we would run a guide pin down across the fracture site into the thigh bone. We would clean out that goo and then we would put this nine inch nail that's, a, That's band. a band. Isn't that it a band? Is. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. So we put this nine-inch nail down the uh, down the down the thigh bone, and that that will help control the fracture. And then what you'll do is now you take a large screw that goes through the nail. So the nail is not solid. It has mm -hmm. it has two holes in it. Okay. And one large screw goes all the way back up into that femoral head. We've reduced mm -hmm. that femoral head, and now we got a large screw that goes up and holds that femoral head in place. And then we have a screw that locks. At the at the end of the bone, um, at the end of the, the rod, in order to keep from rotation and to, and to connect it to the thigh bone femur itself. The reason you do this, they used they've been doing this for years and years and years. Different different techniques for this, different uh, equipment we use. They used to use this uh, a more rigid. Uh, you would open up the side and you would pound up a more rigid device. Mm -hmm. The problem is you want to have a screw that can actually slide in that nail. It, if Because what happens, sometimes the fracture will compress slightly as you walk on it, and you want them to walk on it because mm -hmm. that helps it to heal. As, the, as you walk on it, sometimes the fracture will, will compress on itself, impact on itself, so to speak. And if you have a, if you have a rigid device that goes up close to that, the, the head of the, the, the head on the, uh, on the uh, component, if that fracture slides down but the device can't, you can cut out the top of the ball, okay. and now you've got a, a piece of channel iron in your in your hip joint, just gouging that the heck out of yeah, gouging the heck out of your acetabulum. Yeah. So you want to protect the cup by allowing the, the device to slide down if the fracture happens to slide down. Okay. The the last level is called the subtrochanteric level. Well, we went intertrochanteric, which was right where the where the ball meets the truck. Now, subtrochanteric is just a little bit further down. Really, it's really, for all intents and purposes, it is a femoral shaft fracture. Mm -hmm. It's a high femoral shaft fracture versus a low hip fracture. Okay. We treat those with rods. Again, a long, it can be a longer version of the rod. That's the problem. I think the reason that the subtrochanteric has a special moniker versus the femur itself, there's, there's a bunch of muscles around your, around your hip joint, mm -hmm. and they attach at different places. And the pattern of most subtrochanteric hip fractures leaves the anterior musculature attached to the proximal to the upper fragment, and your posterior musculature attached to your your front muscles attached to the upper fragment, mm -hmm. your your uh, your back muscles back muscles attached to the lower fragment. So you get a lot of the, the upper fragment flexes. So it's as if as if your thigh wants to stay straight, extending down but your hip is like you're in a sitting position. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to reduce, that's probably the most, in my opinion, that's the most difficult fracture to handle okay. because it, getting that fragment back in alignment is a lot of muscle pull, a lot of, a lot of, uh, of 
forces across that area mm -hmm. that can be difficult to reduce and hold. But again, it's still the same type of pattern of using that, uh, what we call a gamma nail, uh, that locks into the uh, femoral head and then down the shaft itself. So it seems like no matter what kind of hip fracture you have, you're going to have surgery. Uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Uh, it's, again, the one that we would not do any surgery on would be that impacted fracture mm -hmm. that seems stable that maybe we can limit the weight bearing. And that's um, where the ice cream, the, the, the ice cream the, cone goes through. Got shoved up into the, into the scoop of okay. ice cream. Because, again, you can see that that's still relatively the same pattern. It's the same look yeah. as if you had not broken it. Um, but we want to make sure we keep that scoop of ice cream on top of the uh, on top of the cone. So, do most of these breaks happen in a fall, or is it like a traumatic injury? Like, or when when you're treating this, how do these patients come to you? Falls, falls, falls. Okay. and the the uh, the 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 bane of almost all the big surgeons. We really want to encourage our elderly individuals to get off folding chairs. Uh, Christmas time is the it can be the worst time for this because we hear I was just trying to dust the top of the refrigerator. I was up I stood up on a folding chair. I was putting I was getting the lights down. You know, stay off the folding chairs. If you want to get a ladder, that's fine. If you want to leave a little dust behind, it gives your it gives Aunt Millie something to complain about. And she'll love that when she comes to visit. Um, so it's 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 they get up on you get up on something that's trying not, to change light bulbs. Yeah, that's it's not designed. Maybe maybe if you got a ladder out or you had a little step stool, that'd mm -hmm. be one thing. But again, I think if you're 80 years old, I want to see you just on the ground. Okay. Don't be getting up on things. Let somebody else get up on things for you. So what is the recovery time for these kinds of things? Well, the, the first thing patients ask is, am I going to have, am I going to be able to walk afterwards? Mm -hmm. We we basically, when you do, except for the, the completely conservative care of the impacted hip, we want you bearing weight on this almost immediately. Now, if there's a lot of, of comminution, we may do partial weight bearing, but basically probably the lion's share of of hip hemiarthroplasty, gamma nails, subtrochal fractures. Uh, we want you bearing weight uh, that afternoon or the next morning. Weight bearing is tolerated. Now it hurts. You're not going to yeah. be you're not going to be skipping rope and, and running down the hallway. But uh, getting around with a walker, um, we expect you to have therapy for this for probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five weeks. Using a walker to get around for those first three weeks. Maybe a, a cane if you can convert over to a cane after about three weeks. Using a cane for three to six weeks, even up to eight weeks. And I never, you know, I'll have uh, some people come in at eight weeks and they're kind of embarrassed that they're still using a walker I try or a cane. I try and tell them, you know, I think an 85-year-old woman with a cane is sexy. Just keep using that cane as long <laughs> as you can because I'd rather have you use that cane for a week too long than yeah. use it for an hour too short. Yeah. So why? what is the benefit of getting up and putting weight on it? Well, the benefit of, the benefit of getting up and moving around is just twofold. One... Um, it, it induces, if you're talking about a fracture that we're trying to get to heal, uh, it induces a callus to form. Uh, the callus is, uh, bones are, as I said, I apologize for the analogies, I but I'm hoping the they, I hope they give some, 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 some pretty pictures in your head. Yeah. Uh, I always I consider, when we're trying to get bones to heal, I consider most of our bones to be uh, pipes, okay? Mm -hmm. So you've broken a pipe, and you're going to put that pipe back together again. Well, there's two things we do about it. One thing we do is, okay, if you've got a pipe that's broken, we put a rod down it. Now you put a smaller pipe inside a, a bigger pipe. And that you can kind of visualize how that would hold the pipe in line, and except it could rotate on itself. And we put some screws across top and bottom, and now it can't rotate. So that's the pipe in pipe analogy I talk about. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, if you've broken a pipe and you want to, get, you want to fix that pipe, you're going, to solder, you're going to solder that pipe back together. And what that, that is, 
callus is bony solder. Okay. It is, and people will feel a bump over it sometimes because the callus will form a bump at the fracture site as it heals, mm-hmm. and you can feel that bump. And then sometimes over the years, you'll, you may always have a little bump there, but over the years, sometimes uh, you'll go back and sand that solder down. It gets a little smoother. Okay. But again, uh, the callus is, is the bony solder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want you walking because of that. The other reason we want you walking, and especially with a hemiarthroplasty, is actually the reason, is one of the reasons we do this surgery. Because sometimes you'll have somebody come in, 90 year old, sickly individual that has a hip fracture, and they'll say, they'll say you know, do I, do I really need this surgery? There's no way to immobilize the hip fracture consistently. Mm-hmm. And because of the pain with motion and getting in and out of bed and getting up into a chair with a hip fracture, there's no good way to mobilize the patient. And if you can't mobilize the patient, they're sitting around, laying in bed, Risk of, risk of DVT, uh, uh, deep vein thrombosis, and the other big risk is pneumonia. Mm-hmm. If you're not able to take deep, if you're not sure. up, if you're not vertical, the, the human body isn't really designed to lay on your back, be taking these deep breaths, and you can develop a pneumonia. So that pneumonia is a, is a real spiral in the elderly individual uh, that we can lose them. So we recommend fixing it so we can get them vertical, so we can get them breathing deeper, so we can keep their lungs clear. Okay, so there, yeah, when I think about it, there is no way to put a cast on your hip. No right? real good way. I mean, they do it for for infants, uh, mm-hmm. hip spike cast, but man, I could not imagine a, a, the, the tissue breakdown that would occur in an elderly individual with a hip spike cast, which would be a cast that goes around the waist and then down the leg, oh, yeah. and the mess of trying to keep the uh, perineal region clean, uh, it just no. sounds like, a, sounds like uh, you'd have to have a lot of loving family at that yes. point in time. So how, in your practice, how often are you fixing, are you doing hip fracture surgeries? Uh, well, um, we probably, I mean, through the practice, mm-hmm. uh, we're probably on average seeing at least one hip fracture, at least one a week, every other, okay. at least one every other week, and they come in bunches. I think that, you know, the kind of the, the I shouldn't say joke, but the thing is, is you won't see something for a couple of weeks. Then you'll see three on a weekend. Mm-hmm. They, things co- seem to come in threes. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we, we see how that goes. I, I think probably it's just an anomaly we notice when it happens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you, I, I would say our practice has probably seen at least one a week so uh, what's on the, average. What's the prognosis for these folks that have had these? Are they pretty pretty good after? The, the general, the overall view, and I, I don't want to be too dour here, we want to get these done. Old literature, I really haven't seen any new studies on this, is elderly individuals that have hip frac- that have had a hip fracture, whether we fix them or not, it is an indication of some uh, probably wearing out of, a, of an individual. These don't occur in, in young, healthy individuals unless they have major trauma. Um, uh, we say about a 50% mortality rate within 12 months, no matter what we do. Mm-hmm. But, we, but I'm hoping that, we hope that by mobilizing these, we, we keep that at a lower rate. So What's the, to. you said you've, you mentioned 80, 90 year olds. You've got, do you remember the oldest person you've done this on? 105 year old gammon nail. Oh. I just saw, uh, she's back. Um, she came back to see me. She's doing great. Uh, she's, she's, she's walking. She's three weeks out. Uh, looking good. Uh, I I have a dream of uh, making my, I got a million dollar idea. I've just never been able to, to get it done. Um, I, I wanted this hundred, one of my hundred year old, 95 year old, 105 year old uh, women uh, break a hip. You fix it. They're going home 
two days later, they're going to nurse home two days later. I want to see if I can get them in the wheelchair going out the hospital. And we say, hey, you're 105 years old. You broke your hip. Dr. Gray just fixed it. What are you doing now? I'm going to Disney World. I think I could sell it, but I, you know, I, I don't know that uh, I, I feel uncomfortable asking them. So do a lot of these, so what is the recovery? How many, on average, how long are they in the hospital for? Uh, usually they're in the hospital about two to three days, okay. uh, sometimes up to a week, depending on other medical yeah. issues and all yeah. this, uh, two to three days. And again, and that's for all, probably all three, really. Mm -hmm. um, if you have good help at home, and and I don't mean you don't have a caring family, but if you have a, care, a family that's there that can really take care of you and, and really knows what they're doing, you can go home. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our individuals will go to a, go to a skilled care facility. Uh, that's, I guess that's a nice, yeah. that's, the, that's the, the buzzword for nursing home nowadays. Mm -hmm. but, but we're not looking at sending these people to a nursing home for the rest, to going somewhere to die. Yeah. You're going to there to get therapy, to get a little extra care so that in about two weeks, two to three weeks, you're back home, back to your normal living situation and back caring for yourself is what we're hoping to achieve. Dr. Gray, I'm all out of questions. Do you have anything else you want to add about No, I infection? think that's everything. I think, again, we've, we've covered uh, everything I can think of off the top of my head. Right. I yeah. can't. I just can't get the image of the cone shoving up into the ice cream or the ice cream falling off and you push it back on. There you go. Well, I'm hoping that if we have video, we can we can, I I can, we can have ice cream here with us. It's but true. Uh, But we don't have that now. So we, there's no reason to have it. We, we can count our calories and we're... I'm in, the, I'm in the Sarah Bush weight loss contest, so I'm trying Are to, uh, yeah, so I guess I don't want that ice cream anyway. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for stopping over. We'll let you get back across the road to, so you can do your next surgery. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of Health Styles, and a special shout out to all of our providers and clinicians for coming on the podcast and providing great information that we can all benefit from. Just remember the information presented in our podcast should not be considered a substitute for medical care. Please see your own healthcare provider if you have questions or concerns about a medical condition. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you'll be the first to know when new shows are added. We're also on social media and we would love to connect with you there as well. For more information about the providers and services of Sarah Bush Lincoln Health System, please visit sarahbush.org. Until next time, this is Lori Banks. Thanks for listening.